You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, I'll be talking about Tim Buckley, Greetings from L.A. In the room, I have Ben Hi. and Adam. Hey. Greetings from L.A. is the seventh album by the singer-songwriter Tim Buckley, released in October of 1972 on Straight Records. The producer was Jerry Goldstein, and the genre is funk Oh, and jazz rock. Uh, I'm going to read from the book, Ally McQueen. After the poorly received Star Sailor, Buckley waited a while before recording Greetings from L.A. Meanwhile, the 25-year-old begins to, to absorb jazz, funk, and R&B influences. Side, sidelining his co-writer, Larry Beckett, Buckley now began playing with other musicians who could fulfill his new musical vision. Coupled with Buckley's love of exploitation movies, this led to a feverish, sexually charged album that was a, a quantum leap away from his image as the wide-eyed troubadour. A postcard of Los Angeles covered a thick smog decorates the cover. On the reverse, two stamps portray Buckley with a gas mask. The message the sleeve was intending to impart was that even in this horrific atmosphere where there can still be a lot of musical activity going down, Buckley insisted to Melody Maker the album proved this point in spades. Alright, what do we think of Greetings from L.A. by Tim Buckley? I think Tim Buckley is a horny loser. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> oh my God, I thought I was going to open strong. <laughs> I was going to say horny Kermit. <laughs> oh my God. His voice really has that like Kermit vibe going throughout okay. the entire album. I have no idea what this album is achieving, and I have no idea why Tim Buckley chose to go this way, other than I had read that he really wanted to do like he really was a big fan of like sly and the like right. black exploitation the soul stuff no, that's he, he, great I he thought he could get into yeah, it that stuff's good and um, it just like he wanted to do something so different and he wanted like money and this is the result i feel like here okay <laughs> Go so for it. this is where this book shows you what the press world is actually like and i think the only way to explain tim buckley's three-time appearance in this book is that Sometimes in the press world, they just decide that somebody's great and that they and that person will just be celebrated forever or at least for a long time. Sort of but, like a Radiohead, always like a minus, like every album so, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good example, because like, for example, like King of Limbs, I don't think anybody liked that album, but I remember seeing the reviews for it. Wow. Like, I get it that like Radiohead is an extraordinary band. Yeah. But we don't have to f- pretend. We can we can be objective, can't we? And like 
that's when I want, I wonder if the business gets in the way of the, I mean, but that doesn't make sense because Radiohead like was doing business. This guy doesn't, I think he's just, he's earned the eternal cool points from the, the people who are doing the reviews at these times. They just decided that he was going to be their unsung hero. Are they contemporary reviews or are they retrospective reviews? Are they reviews after the world knows who Jeff Buckley is? I have wondered about that, but I didn't want to. Uh, they don't speculate. say when they uh, have come out on these reviews. So, uh, but they are contemporary. I, I can, I I'll, can say that. I'll tell you this: I listened to this album three times, like I do with any album that I yeah. don't like. And after the the third time, I I had a unique dislike for this album, and so I went online. And I just like Googled like Tim Buckley greetings from LA reviews. Yeah. And I was only seeing good reviews. And I feel like I'm being gaslighted here. It, it's not true. I, I saw a couple that were okay. like, nah, this isn't like, this like, doesn't. Also. <laughs> really, really? This is this is what we're, we're all going to say is good? Right. Here's a bad review. Th- there were a couple, <laughs> including Tim Buckley himself, saying that this album is not very good in his like later Albums after this and after this were like he he self admitted like nah those aren't that great of like not well, good very for good. him for having the, yeah the perspective but like uh, here I don't know why it's so celebrated though with with the reviews because I did the same thing and I saw so many good reviews of people mm-hmm. being like I can't stop listening to this album this album's so great and I'm like someone recommended this album to me and it was the best advice ever here's what I don't understand is that it's 1972. Um, not only is it this album really weird, white appropriation-y, uh, from the vocal style and the, like some of the content, uh, of some of the sixties stuff that black people were doing, but like already this album is derivative of the collaboration that war and Eric burden did with black man's burden came out in 1970. That record is crazy. It's so bizarre and like very interesting. Yeah, and I'm, I'm turning two, literally like two, three pages in War. The the world is a ghetto. 1972 is the same year, as well as on the other opposite side. Al Green is here. Right. Why are we talking? Why about are we talking Tim about Tim Buckley? Buckley? And like so, but like even if you want to talk about a white guy sitting down with and and like playing. Basically, and doing like almost a like a drugged out like collaboration, or, or if you hate it, you could call it an impersonation. But just we already have a record that's really kind of fascinating in Eric Burden's and War's Black Man's Burden, which is two years, two and a half years out before this. Yeah. So it's like one, why is that book or why is that not being talked about? Because if the premise is you got to hear this record. That's a record people got to hear. Yeah, it's insanity. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think we've covered any Eric Burden or Animals. Uh, I think there was an Animals. Was there an Animals earlier? Because I love. Or them. did it come no. up in, when we were talking no. about our retrospective? There's no what? Animals in this. But in three this. Tim Buckley's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah trust me, I, I made a huge discovery this week. Yeah. When when I discovered Whitney Houston is not in the book. What? Yeah, your mind just blew. These people <laughs> that, should be. Honey, it's just like, yeah, that that reminds me of a comment my wife made when we listened to some of this record. And she's like, wow, 
too bad there were no women making music at this time, so they could be in the book. Because, <laughs> like, like this, it's like this guy gets three of a thousand and one. And it's like Whitney Houston. Oh, my God. Just, it's sick. But um, this guy feels like this book for me. I know this. I'm, I know I'm out on a limb. And I know I'm talking some mad talk. But, like, it, it just seems so apparent. Like, when you when you notice what's what's being overlooked and what's not being represented and what has already been done and then what's being celebrated way too late. Right. don't find the interest in this uh, sort of like porno-esque like soundtrack album of just a guy being like I, i'm get i want to get it on with all these ladies we've already gone through like i mean yeah shaft, shaft yeah super fly yeah. like all the, well, like in its self-admitted and he's like else i really like black exploitation films great it's great to make this album and sure go ahead you can make whatever you, you know stuff you want, but I do not understand why we are listening Still talking to about it. We are listening to it now. It is in a book, and like people apparently are celebrate this and still listen to this album. To me, this seems like something that should have been celebrated for the six months surrounding the release of the album when people went to the show because they basically were like, oh, I want to see the safe version of this thing. Like, and I'll oh, go yeah. see him perform and get wacky on stage with his high vocals. And it's like, it just feels like this goofy, safe version of whitewashed culture. Yeah. I, go ahead. That's it. I just uh, hate it. To, I hate it so much. So to put it in perspective, like we're talking about how celebrated it is and stuff. And we're se- talking about that because it was put in this book and here we are listening yeah. to it. Uh, to put it in perspective... The entire Wikipedia page article for this album yeah. is one paragraph long, and basically all it says about yeah, the we album... Can't, we can't judge on that, because... No, 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 but okay. what that paragraph says. Yeah. It says that this album, much like his other albums, <laughs> did not sell well. Yes. Uh, it did sell okay in it Minneapolis. the most it's, of his. It sold okay in Minneapolis uh, due to some independent radio play, and uh, it sold decently in Minneapolis and St. Paul... Until it was deleted from the Warner Brothers catalog a few years later. Yes. It didn't do anything. Yeah. Except a little bit in Minneapolis until Warner Brothers deleted it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying is that why I was saying this is the press. There are these there are these press things that happen where it's just like enough people that are seen as tastemakers and gatekeepers. They will just decide that they're going to champion somebody. And like... Obviously, like people of the time who were, who had that power, and and people who look back and write for the publications that did this book, are obviously champions of this guy because they're giving him so much space, and it's just interesting to me when that happens when there's just like glaring omissions and like just the 
objectivity is just out the window. Yeah. Now, I will say on this album, you were talking about how it was deleted, didn't get much play. It didn't get much play, too, because because of the scandalous sort of uh, pornographic style uh, lyrics. So it couldn't be on, on a lot of radio stations because they wouldn't play it. Right. Now, I'm not saying that would have increased any radio play, but that is one... Uh, that is one element. Would have increased to, to me this, touching this. that dial. Exactly. <laughs> it would have done. Uh, I did it. I did enjoy listening to trying to pick out some of the lyrics, including "A look around your stretch marks" was one, I <laughs> okay. believe. Okay, I like that. Uh, and there's like. <laughs> Uh, there's a woman uh, just wasting her sin or something. He goes into a bar and he's like, "That woman's just wasting her sin or something." I was like, <laughs> it, was, "It was like had some like interesting like lyrics Turns that I, yeah I wouldn't have expected from from this." I do find it so interesting that this album completely split his base in being like waste of a talent. Uh, you know with this like folk icon and the other people being like i love this salacious blue-eyed soul you know element that mm-hmm. he he is shooting for, he's going off the rails mm-hmm. for or whatever i was also trying to think of if you guys could think of any other uh person that is in one lane like for mm-hmm. five albums and they just take a hard right. Like they're literally like go in the opposite direction. Garth Brooks. Okay. Jewel. Okay. Um, those Interesting. Are the f- uh, those are the first two that <laughs> yeah. Chris Gaines. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't like Pat Boone also do like a metal album. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, which, like which I would not call people metal. People do it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. people do it. And like, I don't. T-Swift. I yeah, or I could or like Lady Gaga just like did like yeah, a, oh my a God. quote country album yeah, which is it's so but, rough. But at the same time, I feel like those it still lended itself to this like pop as did like Taylor Swift. Yeah, this like, is this definitely sort of like, like he's more of like a fringe guy for sure. Yeah. And like and you're right, like he he's from like a distinct scene. Oh, they not just, just like a pop were, star who you yeah. can do whatever you want to be with the times. Yeah, I mean like I think you bring up a, a great point, which is Lady Gaga saw this like shift towards the Americana and was immediately like, I'm going to do this because like, that's what pop stars do. Yeah. Like, and adapt. Yeah. And she's like, you know, she's, she didn't come from like, you know, some small, you know, I still feel like Jerry Goldstein sort of like, he was excited to like push Tim in this, in this direction. The producer was, uh, and Jerry Goldstein did a uh, war mm-hmm. and he did, did a couple other, uh, I think he produced like a Hendrix, uh, didn't produce, but like helped Hendrix with some stuff. I just found it so strange. I found this album just so kind of like, uh, out on the, yeah, like, f- like a fringe album. It's like a that caricature. Just, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the problem for me is like, do it, it's so can, effective. Do any of the songs work for you guys? No. no. Okay. Uh, any of the instrumentation or uh, sort of like, I can't, are you interested I like the, in anything? I like that the bass is high up in the mix. That's the only positive thing I have to say. And that's, it's basically, the mix reminds me of War. Okay. And now that I realize it's the same producer, is like, well, yeah. But like, and that makes it even stranger to me how, yeah, I just, this is just such, this just feels like somebody's local project that they did for fun. Hmm. It just doesn't feel like a real and album. It does yeah. feel like a caricature, but it feels like it's a... I don't feel like Tim Buckley's like playing a character. I feel like this is kind of like 
a stage in Tim Buckley's life, even if it is caricaturized. And that guy who leaves his family to be a lecherous dude in, in L.A., and you know, like like Bukowski does that. Does he, it better? But he does it better. <laughs> but he's like, like when, when I'm when I'm reading Bukowski, I'm like, I don't like that guy, but I like this book. And mm. like here, I'm like, I don't like this guy or this record. Yeah, the chroniclers of that lifestyle, like Burroughs or something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can kind of, you can read it as an observer and you don't have to love them. Um, with music, music is so based around charisma. Mm. And, like, I, I can imagine that watching him perform these kooky vocal styles, like, could have an effect. And maybe it made yeah, it maybe more Yeah, maybe the live performance was, that, was a good thing. That's about as nice as I can be about this. I just, yeah. like, I just... I think it's just so not deserving of our celebration years later. I was listening to like Sweet Surrender and he's talking about like, he's like explaining in the first verse why he's going to cheat on you or this person. (laughs) And he just like, he just needs the hunt. And I'm just saying like, dude, get the fuck over yourself and go home to your family. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) funny. I wrote down the phrase toxic masculinity. Uh, (laughs) Like, like I was just like, oh, there's some like, You've really? got a baby Jeff Buckley I didn't that would think love about to that. hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't deliver the same way when I hear like Mick Jagger like trying to like sell that uh what what would you say like sexual yeah, yeah, like yeah. appetite or yeah. something like that. I just for some reason his like vocal delivery of it just it, it just seems like it's, yeah. It's just ew. It just doesn't. It, this whole album yeah. just gives me the ooze. Um, <laughs> you know what? Like, I got one more thing to say before we probably all give our resounding negatives. But like, uh, it reminds me of a scene in a movie like Dewey Cox or something, <laughs> where there's like where they show like the guy when he's like doing too many drugs, and it's like the project that he's <laughs> doing right as he's like peaking, and like everything's falling apart. <laughs> That's what this album. Oh, he feels was definitely like. doing drugs. No, no but I, I, just, absolutely, yeah. no, I get it's the, like with the yeah, yeah and he's just like, <laughs> you know, just like stomping out yeah, stage just, lights, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just like just losing it, and just like got like those crazy cocaine eyes. Like that's what this record feels like, and it's and you're like you like can picture the band kind of looking. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's this is so lame. It's so lame. Yeah, it's not not lame. <laughs> negative. Negative. Yeah, negative for me as well. I, yeah, I take a bit of umbrage that this is in the book. Uh, also, because there are already two other Tim Buckley albums. Of which in, I did not enjoy either. In here. But no, like, I did, if they had given me one, I wouldn't care. Like, I would just yeah, be like, ah, it's not for me. One yeah. one is, is, like, I think was perfectly fine for Tim Buckley. Um it would have been ample. Yeah, yeah. I felt like he, yeah, he's definitely overrepresented here in, within this. And then this is, this is a bit of a like a, I don't know, like a kick in the teeth. Yeah, yeah it's like kind of sick. Yeah. <laughs> Just ew. 
Just everybody go listen to Black Man's Burden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or Shaft or a, Across 110th Street by sure. Bobby Womack. Or, sure, sure. But I like, just, there's a million. But in terms of like this record, like this idea. Oh, sure. Okay. Executed well. It's it's done by War and Eric Burden. And it's, it's an insane album. It is... Every time I listen to it, I hear something new, and I'm like, this is one of the craziest albums I've ever heard. Man, since, like, s- since you've been mentioning that, uh, like, during a recording here, yeah, I-, I-, I didn't put it together before that. But, yeah, like, some of, like, the... Because I don't know that whole album, but I know Spill the Wine. Yeah. And... That's, like, the... That's the lightest track. And even that song, like... uh he Eric Burden does he does go on some weird like oh, runs with his the voice. Oh, album's and stuff. a tangent. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah, it, it reminds me of like some of the stuff on this. Only there's it, no way he didn't hear that album. And I I, I like I like spill the wine. Yeah, there, that's what I don't understand is there's no way that this album with the same producer as who worked with War. There's no way that Buckley hadn't heard that record. Like it, yeah. it just sounds like him doing a less good version of an album from two and a half years before. That is, yeah, it's valid. It's just weird. Why are we celebrating that? Like this is the exact sort of thing that should be forgotten. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be shitty, but it's just like, like <laughs> take your forget me nots. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, but like the whole point is that like, like there's so much amazing stuff created over time, and there are things that like slip through the cracks that are so unique and such a, like a unique voice. Like, why are we forcing almost 50 years later? Why are we forcing down this derivative stuff that's yeah. not even well executed? Like, what's the point? Like, yeah, I just double check just to make sure. And yeah, he absolutely did. Um, yeah, Eric Burden declares war. Yeah, that and, that and Blackman's Burden came out in 70. Yeah, he has produced every album in War's catalog. Wow. No idea. Yeah, this is just bad job guys bad job (laughs) all right (laughs) that'll do it next time we'll be talking about nick drake pink moon all right thanks Oh, that's all.